2: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, you know what time it is. It's time for here we go. The Steelers show a very special happy Tuesday to you. And if I'm not mistaken, this is trade deadline day. Kevin Smith.
3: It is Brian. It is trade deadline day. Will the Pittsburgh Steelers trade their entire team after Sunday's performance, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm not
2: for certain that they won't now here's the thing. And I brought this up on the post game show and really I'm going to break down the fourth wall here. We're recording this on Sunday night. So if something happened in between, you know, just understand that we're trying to talk as it's Tuesday, because you're listening on Tuesday, but this is Sunday night for us. So I made a comment because of the Kenny Pickett injury in this game. And there's a possibility that he still might play, on Thursday night, a game that I'm going to. I'm taking my son to his very first Pittsburgh Steelers game at age 16. I cannot wait for him to soak up that atmosphere. But I'm going to the game. I don't know if Kenny Pickett, KP8, is going to be ready. But if they were, and we don't even know if they were entertaining trading a quarterback for trade deadline day. But with the bad news coming out of Minnesota and Kirk Cousins going down, with a very bad Achilles injury. So he's gone for the year. So with that happening, there could have been a possibility that a Mason Rudolph could have been shipped to Minnesota. Now you're probably less likely to want to do that now with Kenny getting hurt and Mitch looking lackluster, Kevin.
3: Yeah. I I, I think that's a great point. I feel so bad. L- last week on my call sheet podcast, I-, I had Dave Stefano on and he was feeling so upbeat and optimistic about the Vikings and he should. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And you just, but you never know when your season's going to season can change in a heartbeat. And it just, it's amazing how, you know, he, whatever plans you thought you had can, can go out the window and then you got to readjust. I mean, that's, that's life. Right. And you just kind of have to put it back together on the fly. So I don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett, but I think you're right. I think the odds that the Steelers will will trade a quarterback have diminished significantly. Uh, And it feels as though right now, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, that you kind of have to reset the board. right? I I don't know uh, if Mitch Trubisky will be the starting quarterback on Thursday or not, but either way, the Pickett injury right now for the Steelers feels as though it's a moment where They've got an opportunity, and the opportunity is to really just sort of reevaluate everything that they're doing offensively. Because if there's one thing that's clear, it's that the Steelers cannot make the playoffs running the, the offense that they're running right now. They have to change something. And Mike Tomlin promised big changes after the bye week. Well, that didn't happen. There have been no, unless you consider releasing Gunnar Olszewski a big change. So, so it'll be very interesting to see how the Steelers play this short week. Pickett's probably out. Trade deadline coming up. Awful lot awful lot on the board for Pittsburgh right now.
2: Before we get into injuries and how they changed this team, because we saw, of course, we see how they're going to change the Minnesota Vikings. We see how they changed the game in Pittsburgh in that loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was 20-10. to 10. But the Steelers had every opportunity given to them by their defense to win that game, or at least tie it, to go ahead and have an opportunity to possibly win it in overtime. So we're gonna talk about those major injuries, but let me ask you this. Is there any stretch of the imagination that the Steelers are buyers at the trade deadline?
3: For me, there's zero, zero chance. Uh, First of all, they don't have, what are they gonna offer? I I don't think that they have much in the way of compensation to, to give somebody else Unless they want to tap into their their draft picks, which I, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, why would you want to do that? When you look at where they are right now, what piece what what piece could they acquire that would make such a significant difference in them in their team that it would be worth what they would have to give up? Right? If the Steelers are going to bring in anybody that's going to be an impact player in any way, shape, or form, you're talking about either trading a marquee player or unloading a high draft pick, a first or a second round pick. And I don't think that there's anything that when you look at both the Steelers and then the AFC in general, I don't think that there's really anything that that tells you that the Steelers are are ready to compete with the with the best in the division. So if I'm Pittsburgh, the notion of me buying at the trade deadline is fool's gold, man. I, I just don't think it would make a difference in the long run.
2: Is there anybody to really sell? You know, I could think of maybe Allen Robinson.
3: Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, Allen Robinson would fetch you, what, a sixth round pick? Something along those lines at this point in his career. Yes. And I I think I still think Allen Robinson has value. I think that he is a good veteran presence for the Steelers. I think if you take him out of the lineup, you're talking about extended reps for Calvin Austin, the third in the slot where I don't believe he's ready to play in the NFL. I think he's still more of an outside receiver. And so I think that does more harm than good. And when you've got a young quarterback who's struggling the way that Kenny Pickett is, particularly in his ability to throw to the middle of the field, which is such a huge problem for this offense right now, just not being able to throw into the middle of the field is, has so many repercussions for this offense. Removing a guy like Robinson now is, is, you know, probably hampering Pickett's development. It's certainly probably hampering his confidence and being able to throw over the middle. So that, that doesn't seem like a smart move to me. Could you
2: shut down any Najee Harris talk right now?
3: As far as him being dealt. Yeah. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. I, yeah. I don't think the Steelers are going to move on from, from Najee Harris. I mean uh, the article that I, that I'm working on for this week, my three and out article is largely about the offensive line. I, I don't know where where you're expecting Najee Harris to run. I mean, if you want to make if you want to criticize him and say he stops and starts too much, he doesn't have the greatest vision in the world. I'm with you on that. Uh, I was a big Travis Etienne fan when when he was coming out of the draft. I thought he'd be a good fit for the Steelers. And if you were somebody like me who really liked Travis Etienne, you you probably watched him on Sunday and you thought, boy, he'd look good in the Steelers offense. But at the same time, put him behind the Steelers offensive line, and how much better is he? I mean, it just the line right now is just not, not getting it done, man. They're not creating holes. There's they're not getting a push. Najee Harris is run running into the backs of his linemen an awful lot. And you know, not necessarily because he doesn't have vision, but because they're just getting stalemated at the line of scrimmage. So so that's a problem, obviously. And I don't think the Steelers are uh are helping themselves by moving on from him either. All
2: right, let's talk about what went wrong on Sunday. Of course, the first place to talk about would be injuries. The Kenny Pickett injury was significant, but I think the most significant injury had to have been Minka Fitzpatrick, Kevin.
3: Yeah, that had a huge effect on the football game. He goes down fairly early in the game with a hamstring injury. uh, And immediately now the Steelers have to scramble with their ability to defend tight end Evan Ingram I mean one of the things that Fitzpatrick's been so good at this year is dropping him down into the box where he's the Steelers leading tackler he leads the team in tackles and then and then using him to shut down opposing tight ends the Steelers you and I remember it wasn't that long ago when it felt like tight ends were were just toasting the Steelers every week and it's been a while now since a since a marquee tight end or any tight end really had a big day now you know Marquee receivers, that's a different story. But Fitzpatrick's been awesome at shutting down tight ends. Without him on Sunday, they really had to scramble. I mean, they dropped Keanu Neal into the box at times. They they had to play Miles Killebrew down there, who's not really well suited for it. They just didn't have an answer. And Ingram went off, man. 10 catches on 10 targets. It doesn't get any better than that. 10 catches on 10 targets and a couple of backbreaking third down conversions uh, or long yardage conversions in the fourth quarter when the Steelers needed to get the ball back. So I think uh, just not having an answer for the tight end was such, so glaring when Fitzpatrick went out of the game.
2: It really was. And what he does for that team, I, I don't think people realize it as much because you really, I mean, we think about the edge rushers all the time. We think about Watt we think about Highsmith. We, we know what happens when you have Hayward out and he's been out and hopefully he will be back soon. It looks like, uh, probably he, I would think he would be back for the Packers game on November 12th. I I think it's might be a little too soon to say Thursday, but you never know if he's there's a possibility that he could be there against the Tennessee Titans. But Minka is huge. And I cannot foresee Minka with I believe it was, is it officially a groin injury
3: or a hamstring? Uh, I mean it it, it looked like you know, you already you already said that we're recording this on Sunday night. So as of right now, we don't know, but it sure looked like a hamstring to I me. Mean, I mean, that's what he grabbed right away. And when he got up clutching, really like. You know, when you're clutching the the top of the back of your thigh, right under your right under your butt, there that's usually a big indication that it's a hamstring.
2: Now there is some optimism that Kenny Pickett will be back, and if he's back, he's going to be back in flak because you know there will be a flak jacket involved, possibly. But what kind of stretch of your imagination
3: do you think that we can see KP eight in that game? I I just hated how. Uh, he was landed upon, which brings us to another conversation. I know we're going to have in a minute here, but the, when you get landed on like that, when you're, when you kind of go down on an angle and your shoulder hits the ground first, and then somebody comes down with their weight on top of you, it just compresses, uh, the, your entire upper frame there. And you that's how you get those broken collarbones. That's how you get those, those separated shoulders. Just that whole, all the weight on top of the shoulder, and just compressing the joint, and and pushing everything out of place there. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh, but it almost looked like he was clutching his elbow. So I'm not sure. You know, maybe it was when he landed. You also see him stick his right arm out to kind of break his fall. So was it an elbow? Was it a shoulder? Either way, it's his right arm, and that's not going to bode well. And so, whether when if we if we see Kenny Pickett on Thursday night, he's clearly not going to be 100. percent so either way, that's a it's a problem for the Steelers. And uh, yeah, you and I talked about this before the show. The fact that that call was not flagged, yet the one uh, by Keanu Neal on Trevor Lawrence was flagged this is a disgrace. I mean, the NFL, is it, it's a disgrace right now the way that the league is unable to officiate its games. They have no idea how to call the games right now. And it's embarrassing for a multi-billion dollar corporation to have this kind of uh, glaring weakness uh, on display to the public every week.
2: Well, let's get into that. That is the most glaring thing here. And we want to talk about how the Steelers were not able to be creative enough to overcome not only the injuries, but the officiating in this game, because they still had, they were in it till the fourth quarter. They had an opportunity to come back and tie that game at least And they were not able to do it. The officiating was absolutely dreadful. And we realize that the Steelers, you know, you can't let a couple bad calls kill you. You can overcome them. And we know that. But these were hard to overcome. So we want to talk about that. And we'll be back right after this with the conclusion of Here We Go as we tackle the refs. All right. We are back. A little of the best of both worlds with our music this week. And my name is Brian Anthony Davis. His name is Kevin Smith. We are your host for Here We Go, the Steelers Show. Not very happy with what transpired against the Jacksonville Jaguars at home on Sunday that 20-10 to loss. Steelers were actually in that game. They could have overcome some things, but they were not creative enough. They did not play well enough to overcome that, even though their defense did everything they could. We want to talk about their defense in a little bit. But the officiating, we usually don't harp too much on officiating, but this was probably the most egregious set of three or four calls that we have seen in one game for a long time go against the Pittsburgh Steelers Kevin would you agree
3: Yeah absolutely and you know I want to make something clear you know there's two separate conversations here one conversation is why the Steelers lost the football game and the other conversation is the officiating and we shouldn't merge those two because the Steelers didn't lose the game because of the officiating they had plenty of opportunities to win the game in spite of some some bad calls the conversation about the officiating is really about the product that the league is living with right now on the field. I, you get some weeks you get calls. The Steelers got a, got a call in their favor last week when on that fourth and one measurement at the end of the Rams game that everybody seemed to think was a really favorable spot for Pittsburgh. And this week they didn't get some calls, but it's the nature of the calls they didn't get this week that are so problematic that because they underscore the larger issue that the NFL has right now which is the league doesn't know how to call the game. They have they have changed the rules now so that the referees do not know what constitutes pass interference, what constitutes roughing the passer, what constitutes a defenseless receiver or a defenseless player. They don't know. And they're being asked to make these calls on the fly and then to explain them out afterwards, which is hysterical. I mean, and so you know Let's talk real quick about the pass the roughing the passer calls. On the first one, where Keanu Neal is flagged for roughing Trevor Lawrence, Keanu Neal does everything exactly the way the league is asking players to do it. He doesn't take any extra steps, meaning he hits Lawrence as Lawrence is releasing the football. So he's not taking like two, three extra steps to hit Lawrence. He wraps him up at the waist. So he's not hitting him too high and he's not hitting him too low. And then when he lands, he visibly makes an attempt to put his arms out so that he doesn't land on Lawrence with all of his weight. And yet he draws a flag. And then on the picket hit, the defender takes two steps before he hits Kenny Pickett. He then corkscrews his body so that he can slam Pickett into the ground and then lands on Pickett's shoulder with his upper half of his body, injuring Kenny Pickett and knocking him out of the game. And that doesn't draw a flag and the worst part was listening to the CBS analyst i can't remember who it was try to justify the reasoning for why they didn't call a penalty on the second one and you can almost feel him stumbling over his words as he sought some sort of justification for it because there's probably been a mandate from the league to not criticize these calls and if you know if so to to justify them because the league doesn't want the blowback and it's a huge problem, man, because it's really starting to compromise the integrity of the game. When when you're not when you don't have a standard for for how to to judge the game, then you know what do you go by, man? You you, you now you now you have to go by uh, people's opinions in, in, in a sense. Oh, I I I think that was that was pass interference. I think that was roughing the passer. And that it's always opinionated, but you usually have a, a set guideline of rules that helps you make those decisions. And it doesn't feel like that anymore.
2: Well, I thought the one on Kenny Pickett was later and rougher than that one of Keanu Neal. I thought Kean Keanu Neal was more bang bang.
3: Yeah, he did Keanu, Keanu, Keanu Neal did everything exactly the way the league wants you to do it. I think the I think it drew a flag because Trevor Lawrence's head kind of snapped back when he hit him, but that wasn't Keanu Neal's fault. It was a textbook tackle. If you, if you were teaching little kids how to tackle, you would you'd be able to to put that hit up there and say this is how you do it. His head's out of the out of the tackle, so he's not leading with his head. It's not a dangerous hit. He's at the waist. He's wrapping his arms up, and when he lands, he puts his hands out so that he doesn't land on the quarterback to injure him. It's absolutely perfect, and it's it's mind boggling to listen to the NFL try to justify that call.
2: All right. Let's talk about something that I thought was even uh, more just uh, ponderous. And it was the, the uh, two calls on James Pierre in this game.
3: Uh, I mean, I thought the one was the, the one PI was pretty much a bang, bang call. Like some of those I, I understand because they happen really fast and And pass interference to me is a lot more subjective because you're talking about degrees of contact that happen within split seconds in which the official has to make a a super quick snap judgment. And roughing the pastor is not like that. Roughing the pastor has a much more distinct set of guidelines and you have a little bit more time to be able to see that happening. A lot of times you can see the hit coming. And you can you can prepare for it as an official. You you can see that this guy's bearing down on the quarterback, and now I'm going to I'm going to judge the 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 hit based upon the criteria that's been laid out for the referees. But pass interference is not like that. Pass interference, ball in the air, two guys competing for it. Did you know? Did one guy slightly make contact before uh, the ball arrived, etc. I get why those calls are really really hard. So the PR calls didn't bother me as much. But they well, did bother what, you. How how come?
2: Well, one was a just a weird
3: holding call. Well, right. You you yeah. You, you have now the whole uh, where you can contact them, how far down the field, and I, I I hate so much hate. I mean, one of my pet peeves as a coach is when officials decide that they're going to flag things w- way away from the play that have no bearing on the play if it's a dangerous scenario somebody's trying to crack back block on a dude way away from the play I get it if it's illegal contact six yards down the field a yard outside the zone on a, a play where the quarterback is is looking to the other side of the field it's absurd to call it because if you're gonna if you're gonna rule the game like that Then you're going to throw a flag on every play because there is there is a penalty on every single play. Every single play, there's a penalty. You can call holding on every single play. Every every offensive line coach in the NFL teaches holding. We teach holding at at the high school level. We teach our kids how to hold, right? And so, like you, if you want to flag us on that every single play, go ahead. You you can. And every game will take four and a half hours. So those are the calls that really bother me.
2: So the one call that was kind of a backbreaker in this game and kind of changed some things was the 56 yard field goal that was for not and it was shown on the scoreboard that nobody moved but we were not able to see that because CBS would not replay that because they're a product of the NFL again and cannot make the NFL look bad what were your thoughts on that
3: in real time I, I wasn't sure it, it sure didn't look like there was anybody in the neutral zone after the fact when you you know you, you go up on twitter and they they've got the freeze frame images there the only person offsides on the play is jacksonville's left edge rusher jacksonville's left edge rusher is clearly offsides there's nobody on the steelers offsides and i i just i don't know how you make those calls when you don't know if you it's, if you know if you if you're like i know that guy's offsides you make the call there's no way to look at that scenario and, and, know, and know a stealer is offsides because no, there's nobody offsides. So you're either incompetent, in which case you shouldn't be in the NFL, uh, or you got an itchy trigger finger, in which case you shouldn't be in the NFL. I mean, it just, it just feels as though the league doesn't know how the game is supposed to be officiated right now. And it's a big problem.
2: It is very disconcerting. But in the end, and like you said this before, and I said earlier, the Steelers were not creative or good enough to overcome not only the referees, but the injuries
3: as well. Sure. And I I mean, you're talking about a team that's already down some of its best players in Cam Hayward and Pat Friermuth, an offense that's struggling that can't afford to lose a Pat Friermuth because even with him in the lineup, they're having a hard time moving the football. You take him out now. Now you got to dig deeper. Um, you know, we could we could probably talk for the next half an hour about the offense, and I just don't get the game plan. We I know I know each week it's a different opponent, and you're and you have a different way of attacking various opponents. But you know, last week there was a bunch of multiple tight end sets. This this week they were gone. Darnell Washington bar- barely played this week. What? Why one week are, you know, is is there uh, what seems to be a focus on trying to develop some sort of chemistry or rhythm between Pickett and certain receivers? And then the next week, those receivers are almost gone from the game plan. I mean, clearly Jacksonville could have schemed to take George Pickens out of the game, but any good offensive coordinator can find ways to get their best players involved for George Pickens not to be involved in the game plan. Uh and to, and to have one catch in the, for the entire game is, I mean, that's a problem, especially on a day when Pat Fryermuth is not in the lineup. So you talk about injuries, and yeah, they they impacted the Steelers, but the Steelers have to be better at scheming it up and getting the ball to their marquee guys. Or on the defensive side of the ball, when when you lose Minka Fitzpatrick, it that stinks because now you're down two of your best players and Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick. But you got to be good enough defensively to say, we're not going to let the all-pro tight end beat us. We're going to find a way to to you know, cover up the all-pro tight end. And I can't tell you I know the answer to that because I'm not privy to everything the Steelers are doing schematically. But it was a glaring – I mean, Jacksonville went right to it. Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick left the field, and immediately they just started throwing the ball to Evan Ingram. The Steelers had no answer. And that's a problem.
2: All right. Going forward, the Steelers have the Tennessee Titans on a short week. A lot of people are talking about how super their rookie Will Levis looked in that game and how and people are already acting like he's the next Pat Mahomes, but they had nothing to lose in that game, throwing him out there and letting him have it fly. Do you expect something a little bit different? And with as heroic as the Pittsburgh Steelers defense played in this game, and I thought they played pretty well, do you expect a different result on Thursday from the defense? Because we can't predict the offense because we don't know if they're going to make any changes. And we never know if they're gonna make any changes, and we doubt that they are. And you just talked about that. So let's talk about the defense coming up in this game and what kind of hopes you have for the
3: game against Tennessee. I, I kind of feel the same way about the defense as I do with the offense. Like until until everybody knows what's going on with Nick Fitzpatrick, it's pretty hard to make some projections for what the Steelers are going to do from a scheme standpoint. You would think that uh, in a with Derrick Henry, although Derek, you know, there's rumors that Derrick Henry is going to get moved at the trade deadline. So he may not be a Tennessee Titan when the teams line up on Thursday night. You never know. But it, traditionally, when you play the Titans, you got to stop the run. And, and with the way the Steelers have employed Minka Fitzpatrick this year, that would mean he's down in the box a lot. But, well, Will Levis did have an excellent uh, debut as, as the team's starter on Sunday, and that could create a new – you know, mindset for the Steelers defensively, especially the connection that he had with DeAndre Hopkins. And maybe the Steelers would be a little hesitant to commit so heavily to dropping an eighth defender into the box if they're worried about Hopkins running over the top against them. But I think the best thing the Steelers have going this week is it's a short week. You got to move on from the Jacksonville loss really, really fast right now. It's Sunday night, right? The coaches are already at work getting ready for Tennessee yeah, you talk to NFL guys when, when they have short weeks, they go right back to the office. I mean, a lot of those guys sleep in the office on Sunday nights when they have the Thursday night game coming up because they just don't have the time uh, that that you would in a normal week. You're losing you're losing two and a half days of preparation, and so they get right back to work. And that's probably the best thing for the Steelers now, man. Turn the page and move on.
2: That's absolutely true and we will be talking about that all weekend long excuse me all week long here the next couple of days getting ready for that game as the Steelers look to rebound and go five and three Thursday night football against the Tennessee Titans I'm really looking forward to it but there's a lot of question marks Kevin
3: yeah there are absolutely and just feels as though the way things went down against Jacksonville with the injuries won with the continued struggle of the offense Two and then just with some of the question marks going forward that Thursday is a really pivotal game on the flip side of that the Steelers got back I mean this did feel like a letdown game the the Jacksonville game because here the Steelers are coming home from the west coast where they had a big win against the Rams for a three-game homestand against the best of the three opponents that they're going to see if yeah you had a pretty good sense they weren't going to win all three they don't this is not a team that's good enough to put together four-game win streaks in the NFL. At least they don't seem that way. And so you, you had a hard time saying to yourself, "All right, they're going to win all three games on the homestand." And if you look at the game that they're going to lose, it made the most sense that they would lose to Jacksonville. So two weeks from now, if if we're talking about the Steelers completing a two-and-one homestand and sitting at six and three, all of this will be in the rearview mirror, and and people will still feel pretty optimistic. But But Thursday night's huge. They need to win. They need a bounce back game, and they got to do it in a hurry.
2: Absolutely. And once again, we will have all of that here, everything to get you ready for that game on Steel Curtain Network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Now it's time for Dude of the Week. And I think you and I agreed before the show that there's really not a stealer to put on the Dude of the Week, even though there were a lot of players that uh, actually there's not a lot on the winners of or losers list in this game so as far as that goes i'm gonna go ahead and call an audible and think outside the box here kevin yeah go for it i love it i think this is something that is going to be really special to you this story i'm going to tell and it's something very special to me but it starts out very unfortunate and the reason it's unfortunate is i was at a high school football game the other night i'm a uh, i'm a parent booster so it was the first time i've helped out this year and i helped out in a tent a canopy to go ahead and sell hot dogs soda etc and this is the big rivalry game that we have every year north hagerstown versus south hagerstown my kids go to north hagerstown high And North Hagerstown is something to be very proud of, because not only do the North Hagerstown have very famous alumni that is huge in the college wrestling ranks right now, and also uh, you could possibly see him with an Olympic gold medal not too far down the line, and that's Aaron Brooks, who is a uh, championship NCAA wrestler at Penn State, just fantastic career, and actually. North Hagerstown High Class of 2001 boasts a uh, one of the, mo- the most popular professional wrestlers right now in the WWE, a guy named L.A. Knight, also known as his by his real name, a class of 2001, Sean Ricker here at uh, Hagerstown High School. So North Hagerstown High, go Hubs! So uh, you know, very famous alumni, and there's a lot of passion here with the fans, but. What was going on in the stands the other night? Uh, most of them, youth. There were, there was a very big fight at this game um, between uh, two young ladies, and it was, uh, it was. I was caught very close to being in the middle of it. There was a, uh, there were other uh, guys wrestling and hitting each other. It looked like going into a fight. I, I stopped one of those. And when I walked past to go ahead and uh, get more food and and supplies, one of them uh, tried to motion like he was going to crack me in the back of the head. And I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I heard all the ooze, and I turned around and I I had a word with him. Um, There were multiple people kicked out. They were cussing out police. It was rough in the stands. I'm not sure which side it was all on. Um, whether it was North or South, it doesn't matter. Fan behavior was absolutely despicable. And I hated to see it because I felt in a way that it was the deep deterioration of society. And I don't want to le- leave my house anymore when I see stuff like that. That, And so I lost some faith in humanity, but something happened, Kevin, that brought my faith back. So, usually the band is responsible for cleaning up the uh, debris and all the garbage. And they had there was a reason they had a competition early in the next day. They also had a parade in to be in the, uh, the next night. So, they were going to give them a break from it. So, um, a couple of the band boosters decided that they were going to clean up. My daughter and I, I took one side of the field. She took the other side of the field and a couple moms took the stands. And so we did all the cleaning. And then next thing, you know, I'm walking past and I see three guys, some of them wearing football pants and they come up and say, Hey, can we help you out? And I said, sure, if you want to, you can, but didn't you just play in the game? And I wasn't familiar with, who I was talking to at the time. Um, they said, yeah, I'm like you just played your heart out. And you're going to go ahead and clean a stadium. And he looks at me and says, I love this field. I love the stadium. And the other guys were in, in agreement. And then I saw the mom hug all of them and say, it's not your fault, but these guys they just lost the game 28 to six. And it, it's a losing season for this team. However, what I saw with them asking to help felt really good to me. And you could tell they were dejected. And this is their last home game, Kevin. And you have all the experience in the world with this. So we finished up cleaning, they helped out. Then I look. I see one of them sitting in the middle of the field. They were all seniors. And then they got up and they were all sitting on the bench. And I got a a picture of them. And they were just staring off into the distance. And one of the things that I told them when they came up, because they were dejected, I said, hey, breathe everything in, guys. If this is your last game on this field, breathe everything in. And I could tell they were doing it also let them know that you don't have to have a higher number on the scoreboard to be a winner. But at this moment, I could tell that that didn't mean a lot because they were absolutely dejected. So I looked down a couple minutes later, and there was only one player, and it was the quarterback and a gentleman named Luke Kirchhoff. The other boys were Aiden Clark and Ryder Johnson true gentleman, by the way, Ryder and Aiden went to get the soccer goals because there was a soccer game the next day and they were moving them, put them on the field. So these guys are helping out and Luke is staring off in the distance. And what I didn't realize, Luke, who had, I believe, eight touchdowns in a 70 to 34 win on homecoming just about three or four weeks ago, has been taking a lot of heat on social media. And all day on Saturday, the day after the game, they were just destroying this kid. Just absolutely destroying this athlete. And I didn't know that, but I went down to to say something to him. I said, look, I wanna thank you. And he said, what for? And I said, everything that went on in the stands tonight, He said, I know that's horrible. I mean, it's absolutely horrible that that happens. I said, I kind of lost my faith in humanity. But you, Aiden and Ryan, Ryder, you, what you did was you restored my faith in humanity. So no matter what you do, I'm going to be rooting for you guys. And I know this is your last game at home. And I want to know how proud I am of you, win or lose. Got up, shook my hand. And we talked a little bit more about some other stuff and I left. I did not know until I met his parents the next night at our Halloween parade. It's called the Mummer's Day. I'll say she I did not know what kind of uh, impact that uh, social media has had on, on this kid. Shouldn't he be celebrating, even though it's a losing season and all he wanted to do was bring a winning season and we haven't had one here for 10 years, but shouldn't he hold his head high as a coach? What do you think of when you think of this story?
3: <clears throat> uh, boy, I mean, that could be a whole other episode unto itself, Brian. I mean, there's just so much to unpack there. And I've I live that stuff every week, really, during a football season, whether it's fan behavior or. Uh, oftentimes in your in this instance it's the students unfortunately I've seen it just as much with the adults but it, whether it's that or on the flip side of it the incredible de- dedication that these young men have to the game their love for the game how much work they put into it uh how much it means to them how for so many of these kids like they'll they'll never forget the stuff that goes on on Friday nights when they're playing with their friends and they're they, you know, the, the people who are the closest to them, the ones that, that they've, you know, really started to first experience life with, and they get to, they get to do this uh, amazing thing with them. Uh, and so, and then you have the social media aspect of it, which is its own conversation. Uh, you know, it sounds, it sounds Friday night lights ish, but it is, that is what it is. And, uh, and it's real and it's incredible what it means to people and it's also unfortunate that because others can't possibly understand what the young men who play the game go through whether it's on the field or off and they're so quick to judge and so quick to lash out and you know make scapegoats and not understand that the way that it impacts these young men uh, there's just so much going on so much going on there man and i i <laughs> Yeah, like I said, we, we could talk about this all night, but that's a that's an awesome story and you know I tip my hat to those young men I'm sure I'm sure that they're very much like the, the guys that I coach and uh, I, I could share stories like that that uh, that you're, you' you know those three young men would relate to. so I give my best to them. So our dudes of the week once again, North Hagerstown
2: High School. Luke Kerchival, Ryder Johnson and Aiden Clark. You are winners in our book. Congratulations. And the rest of you, the Hubs team, as well. Very proud of you all. Once again, you don't have to have a winning season on the football field to be a hero in my book. And what you do for humanity and what you did just by offering to clean up a stadium afterwards, the love that you showed, fantastic. And I hope... That you did not lose any joy for the game or any pride in what you have accomplished in your career and by being named dude of the week we hope you restore some of that joy and pride for kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis this has been a production of the steel curtain network it's here we go the Steeler show and it is the Fans First Sports Network as well. We are going to be here all week long. Thank you for joining us. We cannot do these shows without you. You You're so special to us. Keep on listening. Keep on cheering for those Steelers. So for Kevin, I'm Brian. Keep your feet on the ground.
3: Keep reaching for those hypocycloids.